This is Parents' Rights Now. The answer is you. Train. Speak. Change. Parents and allies standing together. Millions of voices speaking as one. Stop messing with our kids. It ends here. Hey guys, today is Tuesday. It's the 11th of April. (laughs) And I am so excited about this episode. It's titled, It Stops Here. I love that. I love it, love it, love it. So you're probably asking yourself, say what? What stops here? The stealing of parents' rights. That has to stop. Messing with our kids while they're in school is not acceptable. Just stop messing with our kids. Isn't that what we want? Absolutely, that's what we all want. And by the way, if it doesn't stop, the government will eventually achieve complete and total control of our children. Don't think it can happen? Oh, you bet it can. It sure can happen. And history is full of examples. But we're not going to let it, are we? Now, if you don't believe that, that it can happen, ask your elders. Ask them if they remember World War II. My grandparents immigrated to the United States from Germany after World War I. My dad served in the Army. He was born in the United States, and he served in the Army Air Force in World War II. And I remember at age 10, listening to my grandmother's cousin, her name was Henrietta, she was from Germany, she came to visit, and she talked about the Nazis, how they stormed into her home, and that was during the war in Germany. You know, I'd kind of forgotten about that, but it does remind me of the German people and how they were very similar to the citizens in our country now. They didn't know what Hitler was about to do. They wanted to believe him. They looked up to him. He seemed to have all the answers. He was going to take care of their problems, wasn't he? There's something else that was going on in Germany at that time, and that was a very systematic attempt to indoctrinate the children. I'm going to read to you from an article titled The Origins of Hitler Youth. Birthed in its first incarnation in 1922 and officially christened the Hitler Youth in 1926, This was the only official youth group of the Nazi party. By 1939, official became mandatory, increasing the group's ranks to some 8 million and leaving just a tiny fraction of eligible members who managed not to join, despite immense social and legal pressure. With so many members in the fold, the Hitler Youth's purpose was to indoctrinate boys into the Nazi worldview, prepare them for combat, and thoroughly transform them into effective cogs in the Nazi regime. Indeed, 
The aim of the Hitler Youth Group was to take an incoming 14-year-old and systematically mold him into the person that the party needed him to be by the time he was 18. That molding took form, some of them much more benign, even pleasant, than others. Weapons training, physical exercise, camping, officers training, athletic competitions, academic schooling, hello, schooling, music performance, and more. Though these activities and Hitler's own personal addresses to the children, the Hitler youth became some of the most committed members of the Third Reich. Hitler said, we will all be one people, one nation, and you, my youths, you are going to be that people and that nation. This was recalled by one former Hitler youth. After he had uttered this sentence, I belong to Hitler, body and soul. Here's another article. The Untold Truth of the Hitler Youth. On November 9th, 1938, when Nazis carried out the infamous anti-Jewish program known as Kristallnacht, Hitler Youth were voluntary participants in the violence and vandalism. No one had actually ordered the kids to take part. They did so totally on their own. As time notes, that wasn't an isolated incident. Those of us committed to the parents' rights in education cause can never give up. And I mean never. I know this because I did it. I did give up. And I gave up more than once. I discovered the reality of the government called public school. In the early 90s, when our three children were in grade and middle school, the school board made it clear they did not want anything to do with curriculum. They said, oh, we, we, don't, we don't have any say about curriculum. Uh, you know, we, we just take care of the budget and things like that. But the board doesn't have any say about curriculum. One of the dads who came to this school board meeting that I'm referring to, he stood up and he said, oh, I, excuse me, I don't understand. You're my elected official on the school board. Who do we talk to? Who is going to represent me when I have concern about the curriculum? And the president of the board told him, well, we have experts that we hire. We have experts that take care of that. And you need to set up a meeting with them. You know what that, you know what I call that? <laughs> I call it the bureaucratic shuffle. Welcome to the bureaucratic shuffle. Now that shuffle is on steroids these days, isn't it? If you try to talk with your school district, if you go to the principal or you go to the superintendent or you go to your school board, unless they're representing our point of view about parents' rights, they will shuffle you into the bureaucracy, won't they? So I tried. I tried going to the school board. I tried talking to them. I got 100 people or more to a school board meeting. Now, you have to understand, we didn't have social media. We didn't even have an internet then. <laughs> I hate to tell you, it's hard for you to believe, I know. But that's the way it was in the 90s. And it wasn't that long ago. Now we have no excuse. We have all the tools that we need. Push back. 
and we are, and we're going to continue. But at that time, I was frustrated. And after hearing that from the school board, I gave up. Uh, And because of that, and the lack of interest by most people, they didn't seem to care. So I decided to start an art and interior design business. Then later, I ran for the Oregon House of Representatives. I was contacted by the uh, political director of Oregon Right to Life, asking me if I would consider running. So I, I decided it was important. They thought I could win. Well, I didn't win. I lost by a handful of votes. So what did I do? Well, I quit again. I just thought it was too much. I have other things to do with my life, after all. And I'm a designer, an interior designer, and I'm smart, and I I need to be furthering my career. Anybody relate to that? Well, our kids can't wait. So I lost that race for the Oregon House of Representatives. And eight years later, I ran for the Oregon Senate. And I lost again. And I guess you could say I quit again. But do you see the pattern here? Uh, Losing an election, however, is not really quitting. It's just that you have, you know, a hard stop for your interaction with voters and talking about the issues. Well, parents' rights and education has always been the issue for me. I didn't realize it until 2018 when I took the role of executive director for this organization. And at that time, I determined that we can never, ever give up. There are no election dates related to our rights. No one can put a hard stop on this cause. Parents' rights are natural, inalienable rights, which should be protected by the government not taken away by it. If we quit, they win. Stop messing with our kids. It stops here. This is Parents' Rights Now. Please check your show notes for links pertinent to this podcast. Please consider making a monthly contribution to parents' rights and education. We need your help. We are challenging our listeners and our readers, all of our supporters, to give $12 a month. If there were only 500 of you, that would tally up to $6,000 a month. Be part of that club. We call it the 12 by 12 club. A link to our website is in the show notes. Or go to parentsrightsineducation.com.